Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Kelly Outdoors. Um, tonight, we have a special guest with us, Wade Walling. Many of you guys might remember him from the last time he was on. Wade is a world champion goose caller, um, and he's he's with GK Calls. He's been with them forever, uh, kind of like one of those, I'm going to stay with him forever until he dies relationships, which is cool, <laughs> I guess. Anyway, um, we we got a lot of people uh, listening in tonight. We even got some in the chat room. If you guys want to join us in the chat room, all you got to do is register and get out there and uh, do that. Also, we have a, a phone call or phone in line. You guys can call in and talk to Wade. Um, that number is 914-803-4025. And if you have any questions for Wade or me, please feel free to call in. Okay, He's here for the next hour or so, unless, of course, I take him off, which is a gift I have. So anyway. We can hope, right? What's that? We can hope, right? Yeah, we can hope. Um <laughs> Anyway, um, Wade, hey, man, thanks a lot for coming back on the show. I really appreciate it. Goose season down here is all but, for intents and purposes, over. I think it's pretty much over anywhere in the country. I think we have, like, um, five days left, and then our dark goose season is over with. So what's uh, what's the status up there where you're at in Illinois? We're all closed up. Uh, bittersweet, I guess. You know, it was uh, kind of a grind again this season. Uh Glad to see it's over with, but uh, I'd rather I'd go out again tomorrow if I could. You know how it goes. Yeah. But uh, snow goose season just kind of started getting kicked in for us, and there's quite a few snows around now. So looking forward to that. Going to try to go out and uh, kill a couple snows and be ready to start catching some bass. Oh man, I'm telling you, a gal that uh, I, we were talking about bobcats because she has guinea fowl, and uh, she was out in the country, and her guinea fowl population started to decline and. She figured out why she has a big old bobcat that keeps circling around and snatching her birds. And uh, she was showing me that picture, the picture of the, of the bobcat. She finally got a picture of it on the game cam. And uh, there was another picture in her little phone there, and it was her brother-in-law. It caught a huge flathead over to one of the local reservoirs. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess you don't think of catfishing this time of the year. You know what I'm saying? But uh, apparently, according to him, it's one of the best times to go because they're all concentrated in small areas, easy to find, and... They're starving. You know, which, like, yeah, we okay. catch a lot of them through the ice. I see. I'm. I've got family up in Minnesota. They're they're into the ice fishing, and I think honestly, their their version of ice fishing consists of a lot of ripping around on uh, uh, snowmobiles and drinking heavily. You know, yeah. and there's fishing lines somewhere, and they know where it's at. But who knows? So isn't that what fishing's about? Pretty much all the time. No, no, actually, Minus there's snowmobile. <laughs> no, I mean. Honestly, you, you said that about bass fishing. You know, I know I know quite a few of the competitive bass fishermen on the Forestdale Wood Tour and also the the Bass Tour, and uh, those guys, th- th- those are serious fishermen. I mean, there's none of that. Yeah. I mean, after the tournament, oh yeah, you know, they're, they're doing they're doing comedy outtakes and stuff. But during the when they're getting ready and stuff, no, it's all serious stuff. So well, it's not it's like kinda, a bunch of golfers yeah, or bowlers. So I, I find it kind of funny now for myself. You know, I, I go out and. Um, I'll duck hunt for two hours, three hours. I got a little blind about ten minutes from my house. But I get bored after two hours or so, and I go home. But if uh, summertime, it could be 110 degrees and, and sunny and hotter, hotter than hell, and uh, I can sit out there all day long and fish from from buzzer to buzzer. Yeah. Well, that's that's you know that's the thing. It's just what your passion is, you know. 
unfortunately for you, you got this mad skill blowing a goose call, which kind of, you know, helps you out. But, uh, you know, I know a lot of guys that, that, that are really into the bass fishing thing and then just fishing period. And, uh, they're passionate about it. They're passionate about waterfowling. And then, you know, when they're 37 years old, they look around and go, hold it. How come I'm not married with a girlfriend or something, you know? And, uh, yeah, right. It's like, uh, girls, I don't know what it is, but ladies don't find that all that attractive in the big scheme of things. And, uh, Every now and then, one will lie to you. <laughs> you know? it's, oh, yeah, yeah, I like fishing. You know, and then they got to go out and they get bug bit or see a snake, and that's the end of that. You know, outdoors gal. <laughs> you know? Right. So anyway, well, let's talk about what's new with uh, GK calls this year. I mean, you guys just had the big show right up in Burlington. Burlington is always a big show for us. It's one of the best times of the year. Uh, we got man. I mean, 2013 is going to be. It's going to be huge. Um, for GK calls, we got a lot of stuff coming out this year, and uh, we've got, I mean, irons and just about every fire that we can. Uh, we've got my new uh, W2 guts, which are my 12-year-old contest guts, the very first set of guts that uh, Bob ever sent me. Um, we debuted, debuted those at Burlington, and uh, they're, they 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 couldn't be any better. Everyone that tried them loved them. Um, it's it's gonna be awesome. We've got new new apparel out. Um, we've got some some other stuff in the in the fire that I we haven't really done anything with yet as far as uh, marketing or anything like that. We've got some new calls. Um, uh, once again, just uh, just kind of in the in the starting point of those. We don't have any names, any really designs for them or, or anything like that. It's just kind of in a in in the starting mode of those, but. Uh, Hopefully by the end of the year or before next hunting season, we can have those in our in our full lineup. Uh-huh. And uh, you know we're, we're we're always continuing talking to new sponsors and and and, uh, and doing some really great stuff with the company and other great companies. Cool. How do you guys come up with the names for some of those calls? I mean, I was I was doing a search today just for grins and giggles before the show. I was checking out everybody's websites and the goose calls, primarily goose calls. Um, Good Lord. The names <laughs> out there is like there's gotta be alcohol involved in a lot of that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny. when we got some new stuff coming out, there'll be a text message that kinda circulates around our our, you know, main core group of guys. Right. And I'll you know, I'll throw a name out and then someone will say that's stupid, try this name or I'll say that's dumb, we'll try this name. Um it's kind of a kind of a group effort, but uh, I guess in the long run, if, if if Bob and Glenn doesn't like it, it, it don't matter. It don't matter what I like. <laughs> right, right. Well, they're the they're the names that are on the company, and they're the names that you know get brought up for name infringement and all that stuff. How, right. how prevalent is that in the industry? As What's far as that name infringement, people using other guys' call names and stuff. I don't really think, I mean, I haven't seen too much along the lines of names, you know, but, uh, I guess, uh, I guess design, you see it, you see that more than, more than anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's one thing that I really, I'm, I'm kind of stunned at, you know. Um, I've, being on this side of the, of the industry where, you know, I get to talk to a lot of different people, you know, and I, and I'm not trying to, figure out their business or get into their business or find out their secrets or stuff. But, 
you know, you hear a lot of the stories about, you know, so-and-so took this guy's design or so-and-so took that name or so-and-so is using this name. And that actually is a name used by this company. And, and you know, you kind of hear this stuff and, you know, you don't ever you don't ever read anything about it or hear anything about it out there on the Internet as far as somebody getting bowed up and, you know, taking legal action. I know there's been a lot right. of not necessarily legal action. There's been um, letters of question that have been sent by attorneys as to what was going on and how this was going on. And um, things tend to get resolved that way because anybody that's had anything to do with attorneys knows that nobody wins in those deals, yeah. you know, just except for the attorneys. You know, <laughs> so, but, uh, no, you hear that about designs and, and even guys that uh, have machine shops and stuff. You know, it used to be, and I, I know there's still a lot of honest ones out there. I deal with several of them, but there's used to be, you know, if, if you sent a designer, sent a call to somebody, and the machine shop looked at one of the first things they asked you was whose call design it was. You know, right? Not so much anymore. I mean, they're they're needing the business. They're needing the work. You know, and it, you know, with all the with all the call companies that are out there now, it, it really is surprising that you don't see more. More um, call names alike and more call designs alike. Oh yeah, and there's and for every call company you've heard of, there's probably five more you've never even got a whiff of the fact that they're. Oh yeah, you know, um, I get emails all the time here about from guys that are, you know, started this call company. We got this going on and that going on, and like talk to you about coming on your show and this and that. Like, who are you? And I mean, honestly, and this is nothing wrong because I mean. I'm there. I mean, I'm one of the 99.9% of the people in this country that hunt ducks or geese have never even heard of me or my calls, you know. Um, but that that uh, one tenth to one percent, I've got them locked. Okay, so don't even try going there. But anyway, um, you hear these guys and and they got a they got a website and they got a dot com and they're happening. I mean, and that's that's how everybody started or not everybody, but that that seems to be the thing, you know. Um, right. I was on the phone last night with a guy from down in Louisiana, and I thought Kent Cullen was hard to understand. This guy's name is Daryl. Super nice guy. He's a gunsmith from, from down in Louisiana. He's just a few miles north of New Orleans, and uh, he's wanting to become a call maker. And, you know, he called me up, and we started talking, and, and I acted like I understood half of what he said, and I asked him to repeat about the other half. And um, Super nice guy. I mean, he, he's not delusional or anything, but he wants to – he wants to make a few calls and make enough to sell to some of his buddies and, you know, some of his gun clients to enough to pay for, for his own hunting expenses, you know. And he just thought that'd be kind of something to do when it's slow, you know. It was like, right? Shoot, yeah, you know. I mean, how many mom and pop operations are there like that? You know, absolutely. Look on look on eBay. That that'll just blow you away. The number of guys out there making calls, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, but. <clears throat> When you're in the rare air that you are, you know, at the top of the the goose calling world and hanging out with the, with one of the big companies like GK, you you don't get to see or meet a lot of the little guys, do you? Oh, uh, well, absolutely, I do. Do you really? That's oh, you know what? That's my that's my favorite thing now is is I've decided to, to step away from the contest calling scene. Like like just this past weekend in Burlington, um, I pretty much never left the booth all day. I had Guys come up and I would talk and, and and talk to guys, and I haven't been able to do that in so long because I've been so worried about either judging or calling in a contest. Uh-huh. And uh, and and you know, when, when you go to a show like that, the guys go and talk to everyone. Like you know, I, I'll, I'll walk around and talk to different call makers. They'll you know they'll do their rounds and come and talk to us. 
so uh, you get to meet a lot of guys, a lot of call makers, and a lot of a lot of local guys that uh, that you normally wouldn't. Well, so, how many years have you been going to the Burlington show? Oh my gosh, eleven years, ten years. Okay. Well, would you please tell the the listeners because there's a lot of them out there, including me. I mean, I know about it. I've never been. It's one of those I probably ought to do this someday, you know, deals um, if they'll even let me in. But um, tell people about the size of the show and, and if you would please. And okay. What, and, and, okay. Here's here's the thing. what I what I'm wanting you to do is if let's say let's say you're talking to somebody like me, for example, that's never been, and I'm a new call manufacturer, and I want to go to the show, and and you're going to tell me what to expect, you know, what it's going to be like, uh, what kind of crowd you're, you're looking at. Um, you know, a, a kind of a behind-the-scenes, this is what it's all about thing, okay? All right. Burlington, Iowa, If, if in the Midwest, if I'm going to tell someone whether you're uh, a company selling calls or if you want to go watch a calling contest or if you want to, you know, whatever, if you want to go and have a good time, Burlington, Iowa, the Mississippi Valley Calling Association, uh, that's the one show, one contest that I'm going to tell someone to go to. There's, I don't know, there was probably 50 different uh, booth set up there this year. Most of them call makers, probably fifty. Okay. I mean, it's it's not a big expo. You know, it's, it's held in a hotel. Um, but I mean, pretty much, if you want to see, you know, the top call companies out there and the top callers, you want to go to the show. The contests are great. The atmosphere. You know, everyone that goes there, all they care about is hunting. The call makers are the the best ones in the industry. That's the place to go. Okay. Well, when you say the the top fifty, I mean I'm, I can only assume that you're talking about like, um, well, like Echo and R and T, Buck Gardner. Those those are, those are the big those are the big ones, you know, in in overall calls as far as well. Yeah, I, I guess I should reframe that. I would say most of the bigger goose calling companies are there. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Um. So, when when you guys are there, are you guys showing your new products to the general public, or is this kind of like uh, it's, you're showing? Yeah, it's all it's all general public. We've got our new products, we've got our old products. Guys can come up, they can try every call we got. We can tune calls for them. Uh, we can sit there and and talk about hunting. We can talk about fishing. We can talk about you know whatever. It's it's, it's a good show. It's a, it's the best show to go to. Okay. Do you see Do you see a lot of people? Let's say from Inside the industry that are that are I mean like like at the Shot Show for example you've got a bunch of uh, representatives from the different companies like Cabela's and Gander Mountain and stuff they're there they're looking around they're seeing what all's new do you see a lot of that there or is it primarily um, the call makers there for the end user for the guy that the the final guy that's going to end up getting the calls now it, it it's pretty much I, I would I would say um, most of the the People that come through the doors is, is mostly uh, local hunters um, and guys that want to come and watch or call in the contest. Uh-huh. Uh, not not too many of the, the bigger sporting goods stores are there. That I notice. You know, they might come up. They might be, uh, what do you call them, um, like secret shopping, I guess, kind of uh-huh. in a way. They right. might be coming up and checking out the products to see, you know, what they might want to carry in their assortment. assortment but... Uh, as far as I'm coming up saying, hey, I'm I'm so and so from whatever store, uh, we don't. I, I don't think we see too much of that. 
Okay. Well, I wasn't sure. Have you have you ever been out to the Shot Show? Uh, yeah, we went out. Oh, it's been five or six years ago out in Vegas, and then uh, this past year, uh, Glenn and Glenn and uh, Scott Rumble and Luke Scherner's went out there uh, for the GK. Okay. Now that's kind of a for a lot of you guys that don't know, the Shot Show has everything from weapons to accessories for weapons to sporting goods to shows that are trying to promote themselves to get sponsorship. I mean, it's just it's one big crazy inside the industry kind of a deal. And um the public is not even they they can't even get in. You know, I was I was under the impression the public could get in and walk around and meet these people. But it's strictly strictly, you know, hands only to the to the industry, Hires. you know. Um which kind of sucks. You know, I would I yeah. would be nice to go to to be able to see something along those lines, but um you know, my brother goes out there every year with his company, and uh, I've threatened to go, but I don't know if I'd even be able to get in the door. <laughs> you, know? So. you know, if 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 they open that show up to the general public, you wouldn't be able to hardly probably even walk around or get in that show. Oh, I know. From I, I've seen the pictures and stuff. And Casey, you know, he uh, he told me one time that because I asked him this last time when he was out there, I said, "Hey, if you see Jace Robertson from the Duck Commander." Give him a holler and tell him to give me a shout because I need to talk to him and I'm gonna even get a hold of Jace with this new Duck Dynasty thing they got going on. Um, yeah, I think those guys got to get permission from an agent before they go to the bathroom. It's crazy. <laughs> but uh, he said, you know, he goes, I don't even leave the booth anymore. He goes, I used to make a list, you know, like I wanted to go here, here, and here, and then you know, he goes, I'd start off and go and I get distracted. He said before I knew it, almost the whole week or the whole day was blown, and I hadn't gotten to any of the places I wanted to because I got sidetracked. Right. But he said, just best to stay there. So anyway, well, you, you said something about you got some new calls coming out. Is there anything you can discuss about those, or is that something that still kind of can't? Not, not yet. I mean, it's it's a work in progress. You know, there's no need in calling the shop because this is as much information as they're going to give you to. It's we're we're, we're going to have a new call this year or more, but that's all that we really can can say or tell you right now. We've got some some ideas, but that's it. <laughs> that's, are you getting into politics or what? <laughs> no, no, okay. not at all. All right, that that's that that went great. So, um, wow. Okay. Um. I'm kind of dumbfounded here. With with the guts that you're using, those are those are the competition guts. Those actually weren't competition guts. Those were just guts you had in your goose call that you ended up using in competition. And you guys are selling right. those now. You got them. I, I understood you guys are having some problems getting the molds right and stuff, and they finally got it figured out. And well, we've right? got we've got two different sets of guts now. We've got a set of guts. Um, we're calling them the over the edge guts, or if you see them on the internet, a lot of guys call them the OTEs. Uh, the over-the-edge guts are edge guts that I blew, you know, five or six years pretty much just hunting. Um, they were like a, if I really needed a backup set of contest guts, you know, I, I could use them for contest. But uh, those are um, awesome hunting guts, probably about the best hunting guts, in my opinion, that I could find. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of guys in our, on our pro staff and other guys that don't blow our call that blow them in contests. And then the new guts that we got out are, are like once again, I call them the W2 guts. Uh-huh. Um, 12-year-old set of contest guts that I blew. Um, 
They've got over 100 top five finishes in contests. Uh, they've won probably $50,000 or better. And uh, got it molded, and now I'm offering them to anyone that wants to buy them. And what do those things cost? Uh, we're selling the over-the-edge guts for $20, and then my W2 guts for 35 Okay. And and you guarantee that they'll place in the top five in the first contest they blow them with those guts? Um, yes. <laughs> this, is, this is too easy. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, that's crazy. Well, you know, I've heard people talk about, you know, the ones that you had the, the over the edge, and those are pretty good guts from what I've been hearing. I've, I haven't played with either one of them, and I wouldn't be able to tell you if they were good or not, you know, based on my unbelievable call skills. You know, I, I can I can take any call made by any company out there and and get the absolute less least amount of, of quality sound out of it of anybody I know. It's a skill I have, and um, I know a lot of people shooting for the other you know into that spectrum where they can take it and sound really good. Well, I mean that's not that hard. <laughs> I go for the dying chicken or the strangling salamander sound. That's what I can come up there. With, you go. You know? <laughs> so, but anyway. Well, you say you are you stepping back from from contest calling period now? I mean, just going to kind of get away from that? Are you done? Yeah, you know, I've I've got to the point where I still love the sport of contest calling. You know, it's done it's done more for me than I could ever ask. Um, but uh I I've, I've done everything that I've wanted to do. Um, I've accomplished what I want. And now what I'd like to do is kind of sit back and and help guys out that need help, you know, the, the guys on our pro staff. And even even I've got some great friends that that don't blow our call, which doesn't matter to me. Um, who even you know like in Burlington, or before Burlington, they were sending me emails and and text messages with their routine saying, "Hey man, can you help me?" And that's what I want to do now. I want to help my friends out. I want to help the average guys out. You know, if if you need to need help on blowing a call, tuning a call, anything about a call or hunting or whatever, I want to I want to have fun with it and not have to worry about blowing in a contest and, and practicing and being stressed out and uh, and let down when I didn't do good. I just want to have fun now and and, and do what I want to do. Well, sounds to me like you need your own reality show, you know. I tell you what, if I can get paid millions like them boys at Duck Commander, I'd be all about it. Well, it's, it you know, it's kind of crazy. Can you get that lined up for me? You know what, I can't even get Jace or Missy to call me back now. Willie, you know, I, it's it's insane. You know, when they were on here a couple of years ago, it was all about they were sick and tired of the cameras in their face. You know, it was like constantly this and that and whatever. And um, they, they, you know, they just, that's what they talked about. I mean, they, they thought it was really great. It was phenomenal. The, the success of the show and everything they thought was really good. And that was back when it was still doing uh, the Duckman, you know, the Duck Commander stuff, right, on Friday right. and Saturday mornings. Or Thursday, whatever night it was. Anyway. And then it it went, it went completely ape when Willie signed the deal with uh, the outfit they're with A and E, I think whoever it is, uh, as far as doing Duck Dynasty. You know, I mean, it went from um, a show that only guys that were in the industry or enjoyed the hunting aspects of it even watched the show. Now, I I am not kidding. Right now, it, it's amazing the people that watch that show. I mean, oh, yeah. crazy. Um, 
people people at, the, at where I work, you know, at the, at the post office where my real full time job is, it actually pays me money, um, which is kind of cool, by the way. <laughs> um, they're like, hey man, do you know those guys? Or hey man, what, what's with the Duck Dynasty thing? It's like people, and you know, they've never the closest they've ever come to a duck is when they go to the park and feed them. All right, right. They've never they've ne- nothing anywhere near what those guys do. They just love the crap out of the show, and it's it's people of all walks of life, all ages. I mean, literally all ages. I can't tell you the number of people that I've talked to in the last three months wanting to buy a bunch of these little cheap calls from us off a of caller supply because they're having a Duck Dynasty themed birthday party for one of their kids. It's crazy, yeah. you know. And I mean, I guess that that's when you know you've made it is when you got somebody wanting to use you as a theme for a birthday party, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Can't you know, blame the guys. No, no, I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great. And you know, the thing about it is, you know, if you believe everything you're reading here, I mean, it, the show hasn't changed them as far as their beliefs, which is real good because a lot of times crap like that will shake your core. You know? Yeah. It'll make you start doing stupid stuff like growing beards and long hair and getting tattoos and. Wearing bandanas and stuff like ZZ Top or something, but you know, just kidding. Um, no, it's just it, like I said. It used to be you can call over there, get a hold of one of them, and talk to him for a few minutes and try to set something up and fine, whatever. No big. Now, good luck. Try try even finding the phone number for Duck Commander <laughs> Duck calls on the internet. Good luck. You know, it ain't happening. And uh, if you got to get a hold of them, you got to go through a freaking booking agency. I think it's. Somebody says William and Morris, you know, uh, it, that's that's insane. So, uh, one of the guys, he's he's a little bit strange. He lives over in New Zealand, and his name is Jeff Irvin. Um, he uh, asked on there when you were talking about helping people out when with their calls if they're blowing a call and they don't understand it and they're just not working, they can't figure it out or whatever. Um, and you said you'd be happy to help. And he wants to know even if it's a Tim Grounds call. Absolutely. I, that's that's one of the text messages I got. You know, the um, he blows a grounds call. He helps some guys out in Burlington that blow uh, Scott Trinan's new call. It don't matter to me. He can blow he can blow a Kelly Outdoors call, and I'll help you out. You might have might have your hands full of that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. My my new PVC uh call just isn't happening. You know, I I would try to find some camo PVC but I'm sticking with that white, you know, and the and the black duct tape. It's just not happening. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a marketing concept. <laughs> there used to be a guy that would uh blow in contest with a PVC call. Oh I know. Do you know who who yeah. it is? Remember his uh, name? I'm trying to you know what I think his name don't hold me to it, but I believe his name was Andy Goodman. Well, Andy did it, and there was another guy. I'm sure, I know you've got to know his name because he was one of the best damn goose callers on the planet. He made a he made a bet with somebody, and they they took him up on his bet. They said, "I bet I can place, I can get to the last round with a with a piece of, a couple pieces of PVC in my guts and, and and place in the last round." And he went to the local hardware store, and he got himself a couple pieces of PVC and put them together with his guts in there, and darned if he didn't end up winning the thing. It wasn't been about. About twelve years ago, and I, I'm sitting here while we're talking. I'm racking my brain to try to figure it out. I'm sure somebody out there knows, um, but <clears throat> I'll be darned if I can remember who it was. Anyway, yeah, uh, that's that's just one of those things. But you know, from a from a marketing standpoint, um, 
they're not nearly as good looking as your guys' calls. You know? <laughs> so, what is what is your thoughts on the? I mean, just strictly. Okay, you're not GK goose call guy, all right. You're just Wade, all right. Yeah. Goose caller, all right. What are your thoughts on all the wild, crazy designs on these things? Does it really make that big of a difference that they're getting engraved, or is it just something to something to be different from somebody else? I mean, what, what's the deal? I, I'm having a hell of a time figuring it out. Well, I, I don't think that design, to a point, is going to matter too much. You know, really, it's going to be, you know, it's like a, it's like a pretty package at the at the store. You know, what what's got shelf appeal? What's going to sell? Right. Um, some of the engraving, in my opinion, I like it a little bit, little bit more simple. But uh, to each your own, I guess. Right. You know, some guys like that. Um, personally, me, I'm uh, I like it. I like kind of a more more simple design. Right. Well, that's that's kind of like me with with the colors and stuff. I start looking at all the engraving, um, the different colors, and it's like you know, having just recently gone through this, uh, um, building a website, and I'm just the guy you know plugging stuff in on one end of it. My web guy is doing all the real work, and I see the hoops that he has to jump through. And of course, at, at Color Supply, we've got like nine different manufacturers and their entire lines of calls with all of those colors and all of the options that each one of those companies offer, you know, including yeah. your, you guys. And it's just like, holy crap, you know. Jeff's like, his head was hurting. He's not a he's not a duck hunter. He's not a goose hunter. You know, he's he's a basketball guy. He, you know, basketball, football, that kind of stuff. Those kind of sports, mm-hmm. none of the outdoor stuff. Likes to fish, but you know, the, the guy was. <clears throat> Suffering from migraines from the from the huge <laughs> array of differences out there in the duck calls. He's like, "What is? Is there really that much difference in them?" <clears throat> no, not when you get right down to it. They either sound like a duck or they sound like a goose. Right. But it's getting people to the dance floor. You know, not everybody likes the same song, kind of a thing. You know. Yeah, but, uh, and and I mean, you know, you know as well as I do, if uh, if someone wants a pink call with uh, you know all kinds of engraving on it. He'll make yeah. it when they sell it to him. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's just you see some of these, and it's like, good God, did you guys? If you guys spent as much time promoting your call as you did coming up with that stupid engraving design, you, know, yeah. you might, might sell a few calls. But hey, man, to each their own, I guess. So anyway, <clears throat> one thing we were talking about before the show um, was the the guiding business. All right, and I had a I had a very long conversation with a guy not too long ago about the the business of guiding hunters. Um, the guy's done it for years. He was up in Alaska. Um, he's he's guided professionally in Alaska. He's also guided professionally in uh, Montana and uh, Idaho. Okay, he no longer guides in the lower 48. He no longer guides anywhere in Idaho and in Montana because of the wolf situation. Right. Uh, those geniuses up there, when they decided to reintroduce the wolves to Yellowstone, instead of going with the North American timber wolf, they went up into the Yukon and, and brought in those things. That's like the difference between an M1A1 Abraham's tank and a Volkswagen Beetle, okay? Yeah. Those things from up there are freaking huge. <clears throat> so he just now, well, he just retired from guiding uh, up in Alaska. And a lot of people think it's a glamorous life you know they they're outdoors all the time they get to do everything they love it and 
tell me, you did it for years. What what, what was your take on it? If if you if you truly love hunting geese, do not be a full time guide because you're going to ruin yourself. You're going to burn yourself out. Here, here's the thing about guiding. Um, you know, when, when I was when I was doing it full time for a while, it was my it was my job. It's what, how I made my money. I would start in northern Illinois. <clears throat> I'd go to Canada. I go from Canada over to New York, back to Canada, back to northern Illinois. You know, and then work my way down south to southern Illinois. I guide from September 1st to the end of January, and pretty much day in and day out. The thing about guiding is, yeah, it's great. You get to hunt every day. You get paid for it. It's decent money. Um, but, you know, on, on the days that you wake up and it's pouring rain and you don't feel good, you, you know, you got a cold, you still got to go hunting. You can't you can't call in sick because you got guys that came from across the country that that want to go out and hunt. And you know you get done hunting, and then you know we're the the outfitter that I got at in Canada, Wing Feather Outfitters, we're cleaning between fifty and a hundred geese a day. So you come back from hunting, you clean geese, you go home, you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you sit in the recliner for an hour if you're lucky. And then you're right back on the road, either scouting or you're, you know, hunting to kill the rest of your limit in the afternoon. Then you get back to the lodge and you clean them geese. And then a lot of times, you know, the hunters want to, you want to wine and dine the hunters. They want to go out to have dinner together or something like that. So you're, you're up until, you know, 10, 11, 12, or even later at night um, with the hunters. And then you got to right back up at, at 3, 30, 4 o'clock the next day to do it all over again. And you're not doing it, you know, just on the weekends. This is a seven-day-a-week deal for for the entire hunting season. Wow. Yeah, it, it, it's a grind. You know, it's a grind. Last, was it two years ago, <clears throat> my son and I, um, we met up with a bunch of guys in, during early season. And uh, there was probably three of those guys in that in that other group. They weren't hunting with us that you could tell that they must have come straight from the club back to the lodge, got changed, drank a quart of coffee, and, I mean, they looked like death warmed over. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm sure those guys were real pleasant to be around all morning. I'm, what do you do? Guys like that, you, like, try to park them in the corner of the blind and tell them to get, get a little sleep before the birds get there and hope they sleep through the Well, it, it, it depends, man. I mean, I, I'm not a – I've never been afraid to tell tell guys to to leave. You know, if, you, if you're not being safe in the pit, you're not hunting with me. Right. You're not going to put my life in danger. You're not going to put your own or anyone else's life in danger. If if you get mad at me for missing a goose hunt, but you're still alive, so be well, it. That's good. That's good. Well, you know, a lot of guys probably wouldn't wouldn't do that. I mean, um, they just you know, the, the, it's a paying client, you know, whatever. But yeah, I mean, you see those guys. I mean, there's I don't care if it's a duck hunter, or a goose hunter, or a deer hunter. Or, Bird hunter, what? You always got that that small segment that, that just they're they're irresponsible, you know, and they are yeah. a danger to themselves and everybody else around them. But they think, hey, you know, it's we're out to have fun. This is my one big trip of the year. You, like you said, it's the, it's your job seven days a week. To them, it's it's what they've worked overtime for on Saturdays and save that money up and right. you know run the risk of getting their butts kicked by the time they get home. You know, if their wife isn't happy with them or whatever. You know, and they get out there, they cut loose, they have a little bit too much fun, you know, and 
Yeah, I could see where that would be a problem, you know. And when you're working for somebody, what I mean, the outfitters, do they do they have like a come to Jesus talk with these people when they first get checked in and tell them this is what's not acceptable or anything like that? Um, you know what, uh, they do a little bit, but for the most part, um, most guides, most decent guides, are going to have a you know a a little spiel that they do every morning. You know, shoot your lanes. You know, uh, don't take your safety off until I call a shot. Uh, stuff like that, but pretty much every guy's going to have a little safety briefing before, you know, but right, right before sunrise, right, right when you're taking the guns out of the cases, before the birds really start flying, before the the heat heat's on, most guys are going to have that safety talk. Okay. Well, so you're no longer doing the guiding stuff right now. You're just enjoying it for for a, a little bit. Um, you know, uh, I like I said, I used to guide probably a hundred days or better a year. And now I might do it three, four, five days a year. Uh, one weekend that I guide every year, and, and it didn't happen this past year, but uh, uh, you know Moro Tomasetti and his uh, yeah. live for deer hunt. Uh, yeah. That's 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 one weekend a year that I will absolutely guide without a doubt. You know what? I was really sad to see that thing not happen this last year. You know? Yeah. Um, it, 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 that's that's another weekend where um, it's. Morrow's always been a great friend to me, and that weekend uh, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Well, I, I know because of the economy, they weren't getting much in the way of participation. You know, the, in the last couple of years, it's been real hard. You know, I, I wish there'd be a way that people could get back into supporting that because they did. They had that hunt for, and it was for a great cause. You know, yeah. you used to go, and uh, Tim uh, did. Tim and Hunter go, or was it mostly just Tim? Uh, Tim and Hunter go every year. Um, I try to go every year. Um, well, pretty much, you know, pretty much every year that they've had it since I've been involved with this industry, I've been there. Um, Tim and Hunter, for as long as I can remember, have been there. Um, it's it, it it ain't about a calling contest. It ain't about going out and shooting a goose. Um, it's 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 about um, morals moral deal there. Yeah. Well, I know they do other things, you know, during the during the year for their uh, nonprofit there, but um, the the goose the goose hunt thing of that weekend was that was kind of a special deal, you know, and yeah. um, I even I even had a couple of calls made up for them for this last year. It was a last, yeah, it had to be this one this last year. Um, I had a couple of them made up. I was going to send up there. I mean, I I can't break away and go during that time of the year. But um, I was going to donate them and let them auction them off. I mean, I did that uh, the year before um, when Charlie Hess had passed away. I'd made uh, some calls out of some wood that I got from him and uh, donated a couple of those and a couple of whistles that Charlie had uh, started but didn't finish. You know, and Keith. Well, if you still, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And Keith had sent them to me and asked me to finish them up and get them to some people that would that would appreciate it, and I did. You know, I I yeah. never sold a single one of those. Uh, things to anybody um they were donated you know um charlie was a good guy well, if if you still have them uh them calls that you uh, were going to donate he's having that uh he's having that again this year he will this year Where's absolutely it start it's uh november okay then they'll be there they'll be there it's a match set of uh hess goose calls um, one's going to be a short re uh, goose, Canada goose, obviously, and the other one's going to be a spec. 
you know. So, and they're made out of Charlie's favorite wood, persimmon. So, nice. Yeah, they're not they're not banded. They're the they're the old school all wood. You know, uh, the only thing different on mine and Charlie's is that I I actually put an O ring on the insert. You know, to keep it in the call so it doesn't end up wandering off in the blind or going someplace when you really don't yeah. need it to. You know how that works out. So yeah. Well, good. I'll fire him off an email tomorrow and tell him. So that's great. I appreciate you letting me know. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So we covered the thing about guide servicing. I mean, if, if there was one thing, I know this is how you make your money, you know, doing doing this stuff. But if there was, if there was one thing you could do, um, what would be your dream job? Professional fisherman. I knew it. I knew it. Professional bass fisherman? Absolutely. Yeah. I would give up I'd give up everything I ever even dreamed of thinking about on a goose call to do it. Well see now that's see, okay, my next question to you is then why don't you? Except for the horrendous amount of time you think guiding took a lot of time away from you and your family. <laughs> well, I mean I, it, it, I I wish it was that easy. Right. You know, I I guess I don't have the uh the finances or the uh or everything in line for it yet, but I mean it's something that I dream about I guess. You know, I I'm online I pr- I probably watch YouTube over an hour a day and just watching what these pros are doing and, and man it's just uh it, I'm just I'm so ate up with it, it ain't funny. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. You know the thing is, you don't have to you don't have to start out by going in the hole, you know, sixty thousand dollars for a boat and a rig and all that kind of crap. I mean, you can no, you know, uh, yeah. If I was going to do it, I'd get into like, uh, you know, a federation nation or something like that, and uh, fish as a non non boater for a while. Right. I've got guys that uh, I know. I know guys that have fished that non boater side, and uh, you know, they've won boats that way, and uh, they're working their way up through the ranks. Yeah. I had but, a, I had a. I had a gal on the show a couple of years ago. She's from Australia. What was it, Australia? Yeah, and she was like the the rookie of the year that year in the in the women's bass uh, tour thing. And her husband's a professional fisherman. They own they own a, a bait company. Anyway, long story short, when she first got into it, I mean, she didn't have the money to afford it. I mean, she got yeah. into it. She loved it, and she did it over in Australia and uh, really enjoyed it. Came over here. This is this is where the bigs are. Okay. Um, yeah. And so she, that's what she had to do. She had ended up winning herself a boat, and then she ended up winning a couple tournaments, and then she got sponsorship. I think it was by Mercury Outboard, you know. And they travel all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, but they're together. I mean, they're both they're husband and wife. They fish together. They do all kinds of stuff. So, you know, if, if, if you from, can do it and enjoy it, why not, man? From from the guys that I've talked to, they said to to fish the Elite Series. Which is you know the top of the top of the game bass fisherman. Yeah. It takes between seventy five thousand to upwards of over a hundred thousand. Just to just to follow it. I mean that's not the that's not you know cost your boat or anything like that. That's entry fees, traveling, food, lodging, all that stuff. Oh yeah, it's it's not it's not it's not a cheap sport. It's like professional golf, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about you, but you have to be born with a silver spoon in your mouth, you know. Or had the last name of Nike, you know. It's, yeah, it's just it's crazy, you know. But there's guys out there that that do it, and they really suck. But their mom and dad made a lot of money, and they still keep footing the bill for little toads to keep running around on the pro golf tournament, you know. Tournament. Yeah. So, 
but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of things out there. I mean, it's like, but look back when you were younger and you thought, man, I want to be a goose guide. That's it, and yeah. then it turns into a job. It's like anything else, you know. But no, if you ever if you ever decided to put your your butt into that gear and get going, I bet you'd probably find a, a rationally good, uh, I should say rationally, a regionally uh, reasonably good success at it. I mean. Uh, look where you went with your with your guiding, and look where you went with your with your blowing a goose call. I mean, you worked your butt off, you know. So a work ethic is obviously not an issue, you know. It's just taking that. Yeah, day. when you, when you work six days a week, though, it's kind of tough to get out there and, and chase something like that now. Well, yeah, that's true, but you know, there's nothing there's nothing that says you can't sneak off and do a couple tournaments just just for grins and giggles. You know, yeah, you know, absolutely. Get a sunburn every now and then, so you got that that cool guy look going on. You know? Yeah, the raccoon eyes. Well, yeah, you know, we used to do that in high school. We'd take the weekend off and go water, uh, snow skiing, you know, and you'd come back and oh man, did you guys go skiing? <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. You know, and you had that raccoon face for about five days, and then it starts mellowing out. And you start planning another trip to Monarch or to Crested Butte or to Vail or something, you know. And then, yep. then one of the smart guys got a sun lamp. He didn't have to spend a dime. <laughs> well, he was he was smart. He's an attorney now, so that ought to tell you something. So, anyway, so what's what does the future hold for for Wade in in, in this industry right now? I mean, you got any big personal plans? You going to try out for a reality show or? No, you know, I I, I hope that I can keep doing um keep doing what I'm doing and having fun. Um, Gonna try to do some more video stuff. It, it, again, it's really hard for me to get all that worked out because of of work scheduling and uh, and finances and stuff like that. But uh, I really like to do some instructional videos, um, even if they're just web based, which I'm completely fine with. I'm um, gonna keep doing seminars and whatnot, but uh, nothing nothing really too interesting, I guess. Well, you know what? Working, I'm, uh, I'm just I'm gonna throw this out there, and you can you can let it go in one ear and out the other if you want to. But with your experience, with your wins, with your titles, with all that stuff you've got going for you in that in that industry, you would be foolish not to make an instructional video, okay? On on calling geese for for in the field and stage calling. I mean, I'm serious. I, I can't even begin to tell you, you know, when, when we do these shows and people want to know, okay, what, I, I want to buy a goose call. I'm not very good with the one I've got. What would you recommend? All right? And whose video do I hand them? Can you guess? Yeah. Who? Trinans. Exactly. All right? Because it is hands down the best one out there, in my humble opinion. All right? And you and Scott, I mean, you guys are both armpit deep in, in mad skills. I mean, do you guys have like a secret pack that you won't make a video because he made one, or no? No, okay. I mean, uh, me and Scott are still good friends. I call Scott every once again, and we'll talk about you know fishing and stuff like that. There's no, there's no kind of uh, nothing like okay. that. All right, okay. Well, I'm just saying. Here's 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 the, the the problem that I always run into is how many times can I? I mean, me and Scott are basically gonna, basically going to say the same thing. How can I change it up so that I'm not saying what Scott says? I guess is how I want to say it. No, you know what? Here's the deal. You, but you guys, okay, look, you guys both 
both blow a, a bad goose call. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But you do it differently than Scott does, okay? And the reason, if it was if it was just an audio, it would make a darn bit of difference, all right? right. It could be Billy Joe Bob Brewbreaker on there and talking about it and whatever, and that's it. But where they're going to see you and see what you're doing, and they, they watch Scott and see what Scott's doing, it's like, oh, he's different. It's, they're hearing the same thing, okay, because there's only so many ways you can blow a goose call, all right? But they're seeing how you do it, and they're seeing how Scott does it, and these guys, they don't buy just one of those DVDs. I mean, they'll buy more than one, you know. And and I'm not kidding. You. We we completely ran out of, of his DVDs this this season. Okay, from, yeah. from doing shows. You buy a goose call. This is what I'd suggest you you use. All right, if you really want to get good. If they're buying a duck call, I I'll tell you exactly who I'm handing. I'm giving them one of Kent's uh, Kent Cullum's the uh, Duck Dictionary. You know, and I cannot tell you I can't because it's been. Oh, I, at, at the very last show we had this year, or yeah, the very first show of this year, but the last one for our season, I had a couple guys come back that bought calls from us back in November, late October, early November, that were tickled to death, all right, with the calls because of what they were able to learn off of those DVDs. Right, these calls were no great shakes. I mean, there wasn't when he, they didn't have special duck dust, you know, powdered on them or whatever, but they learned and they they were had more success this year. Because they they had someone tell them, you know, you can you can go out there and lock yourself down in, in the house and do videos and stuff on on HBO or TV or whatever YouTube or whatever, and that's fine. Okay, you could buy this, listen to it on the on the truck on the way to work, whatever, you know, and and learn it and study. It. These guys know what they're doing. All right, learn from them. Right? And I, I've told them, I said, there's guys out there putting really good stuff on YouTube, but the really good guys don't waste their time putting stuff on YouTube because they want to get something. For all the years of work they put in to get into where they're at, okay? Doesn't that make yeah. sense? I mean, if the guys uh, on YouTube were that freaking good, you know. So, but I'm, I'm not kidding you. I mean, we we literally have no more of Scott's flipping DVDs. Period. And and I had to order, and I didn't know I'd ever have to do this, but I had to order like another boatload of stuff from Kent. You know, we've got other DVDs and. and and stuff, but you know those two. I, you know, if somebody asked me, I, that's what I hand them, and I, it's because it's the best one out there. Period. The freaking end. You know, um, that I mean, and, and if you don't want to buy one of my calls, at least buy one of these and and be a better hunter. You know, and so, yeah, I, I think you'd probably get blindsided by the demand for your freaking uh, DVD, Wade. I'm not kidding you. You really would. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I definitely want to do and. Time will time will tell if I can get it done or not. But I want to do a DVD on uh, not so much blowing a call, but uh, tuning a call. Yeah, that's uh, that's my. If I do do it, that'll be my first order of business. Well, that'd be cool. I mean, you know as well as I do, most of those guys that show up at the shows with a goose call, uh, it's because they took it apart and they didn't mark the read and they had no idea where the, the <laughs> where the wedge was supposed to be and. They took yeah. it apart and they couldn't get it to sound right again, you know. Right. And and you know what's really bad is, I learned this the hard way. I had to, uh, the first couple times the guys would bring those in there, I'd take them apart, pop them together, check the read, put it in there, do do do. I'd hand it back to them in like less than a minute, and they'd blow it and they're like, oh man. And they they felt bad enough because they took it apart and screwed it up, but when you hand it back to them and you do it like that fast and they're like, oh man. You know they just spent three hours at the kitchen table talking to God, threatening the wife and the kids. <laughs> right. 
you got to drag it out. You got you got to put a little drama into it, you know. So. <laughs> anyway, how long does it take you to tune a goose call? Um, my contest call sometimes. No, 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 no. Just a guy call that comes into the show and he's t- taking it apart, and you know, four Budweisers later, he still can't figure it out. Oh, uh, probably twenty seconds if I don't have to do any shaving or anything like that. No, just just figuring out what side the reed goes, and yeah, about twenty seconds. There you yeah, go. twenty seconds. Yeah, but see, you how many how many thousands of goose calls have you tuned? Oh. <laughs> More than I stars to, in the sky. I, I, I would I would go to the shop and, and work in the shop four or five days up there for Bob, uh-huh. and I would have I would have bloody hands. Are you serious? The working conditions were that bad. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> it's you know the the shop is probably 180 degrees. He's got like uh, uh, he shoots <laughs> he shoots you with uh, airsoft guns and uh, and tells you to get back to work. <laughs> Uh, he's good people. <laughs> oh man, at least he's not like Butch, where he uses frozen paintball pellets. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, that's good stuff though. No, seriously, how many how many would you would you say you've tuned over the years? I don't even think I can give you a number. I mean, I'm sure it's thousands. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, one of the guys in the chat room. Okay, GK Sweatshop, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, I hope Bob's yeah. not listening. <laughs> I hope he is. <laughs> oh, there's attorneys on here listening too, man. This could have turned into something ugly. So, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure everybody up there is happy to know. When you when you travel, you know, with the guys going to different shows and stuff, besides the one in Burlington, what's, what's, a, what's your most favorite one to go to where it's the most fun and – you get to meet a lot of great people. Uh, the World Contest out there in Easton, Maryland. Really? Okay. Uh, great people out there. You know, mm-hmm. East Coast, there's a lot of tradition in the waterfall or uh, hunting industry. Uh-huh. Um, the food is awesome. And it's the whole atmosphere of that show is like nothing else that I've ever felt ever. You know, you walk down the street. The entire, the, like, pretty much the entire town is taken over by this festival. Um, it, it's it's unbelievable. There ain't nothing like it. Huh. You, you know what? In all honesty, I would have thought something completely different. I mean, um, a lot of people on the East Coast tend to be very stuffy. You know, they're not they're not real, they don't warm up to people very well. You know what I'm saying? Um, I would have thought you'd have said something up in Canada, honestly. But, well... Pretty much any time, it don't matter. We can we can do we can go to the, to wherever, as long as you know me and uh, and Bob and all the guys are together. It's a great time. But um, as far as as show contest wise goes, Burlington, okay. Eastern Maryland. That's it. Okay. All right. Well, those are two places I need to put on my to do list then. So, you know, I, I would suggest. I mean, you can take take your family out to Maryland. It's, it's awesome. I mean, the, the you, can, you know, you look at antique decoys, uh, sink boats, antique guns. You know, they got the the punk guns. Right. Um, they they got decoys there that go for over a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, I know, I know. I 
I used to be a collector, and I, I would I would see the catalogs, the auction catalogs and stuff, and you know just drool over stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I look at my my meager collection of fence post decoys, and they're like, yeah, those are cool, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of go for the rustic shot off the bill kind of. We painted it green because that was the only color we could find in the barn wooden decoy. <laughs> yeah. But, well, what I what I find is funny funny is you see like. Um, uh, just regular shorebirds. Um, I don't know where what, what are the shorebirds with the long legs and the and the big dip bill? Curlews. Oh, yeah, those deals, those deals. They're like little birds, right? Uh huh. They got decoys out there. Those things that go for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. Well, the little shorebird decoys are, are hard to find because what happens to them is they get stepped on, they get thrown around. They're small, they're fragile. The legs get broke. The beak, the beak gets broke. They get chucked in, back in the back of the shed with the with the duck decoys, and they're always the ones that end up getting smashed and broken. Okay, so to find a good one ah. in in good condition is like really rare. And the bad thing about it was about 15 years ago, some enterprising piece of crap decided he was going to start making uh, fakes. Okay, and it's real easy to fake some of that stuff. At least, well, it's easy to fake it. It's hard to get it past the experts. But yeah. every year, there's always one or two decoys that get through the the battery of experts that look at these things and pass judgment on it, and and they say it's the real deal. And turns out the thing is less than five years old. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I used to for a hobby. I used to make a replica uh, antique fishing lures, extremely rare ones. And I got to the point where I actually had museums calling me and buying these lures from me because to find the real ones, they'd have to spend a god awful fortune, you know, out there to find them, you know. And I was using real uh, era time appropriate hardware. I'd buy, you know, that stuff off the internet of a bunch of old beat up lures that were all trashed out and stuff because I wanted the hardware. Didn't care about the lures because um, the hardware is the hardest thing to fake, you know. So, right. Um, yeah, it's you know if if a person's devious and they want to de- deceive somebody, you know they could do that. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. Rick Rick Carter, one of the listeners tonight, uh, he has he has some mad skills when it comes to making decoys. I'll tell you, uh, he just said he was looking at some shorebirds, and uh, went one of them went for six hundred eighty three thousand in an auction. You know. Yeah, here, here's a story for you. I used to work before I got my job. I got now. I used to work at a uh, Bass Pro Shop, and. Uh, the guy that worked, he was like our. He didn't hunt. He didn't fish. I don't even think he really liked the outdoors. He he was a, you know, the guy that checked in all the stuff that comes in off the trucks. His parents had bought three decoys, duck decoys, from a garage sale up here in the Chicago land area, and uh, the long story short, the one decoy was on the cover of the program for the Eastern Waterfall Festival. Oh my God! And they bought it from a garage sale for like. All three decoys for like thirty bucks. Oh, I heard about that guy. I heard about that guy. Yeah, there was a big story. Oh my God, yeah, I heard about that. Um, they they didn't know what they were. They found them and and oh yeah, all three decoys. They, they, was, they, they were put them up like, on eBay, and you know, thinking whatever, I might get a hundred dollars for all three of them. And within like an hour of the of the auction, it was up to like forty thousand dollars, and. uh and someone had sent them a message and said, "Dude, you probably want to take this off of eBay because right. I don't think you realize what you have." Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I true story. Um, I was cruising eBay one time looking for old fishing lures, and a guy from up in Ohio 
was tearing apart a house up there, okay? And he found this lure between the walls. It was a plaster and lath wall, right? Mm-hmm. And he didn't know what it was, and so he had it. He took it apart and or cleaned it up a little bit and put it on eBay. It said old fishing lure. They had no idea what it was. And I saw that thing, and I, I this was back before they could increase the size. Folks, we're going to lose you on the live feed here in a minute, uh, but you can pick the rest of this show up uh, later on when the, when the podcast is ready. Um, I don't know how much longer Wade and I are going to lie to each other about fishing lures, but it'll be a bit. So <laughs> Glad you were here tonight. Hang on, and we'll be back in a minute. Uh, chat room's still live, so you go there and hang out. Um, anyway, I saw that, and, and it was like a $35 bid on the thing. And I didn't even bid on it. I, the guy was real clear and real up front um, that he didn't know what it was. He just knew it was an old fishing lure. Well, I knew exactly what it was when I saw him, and... At that point in time, there was only like 10 of these things known to even exist still. And I sent him a message. I said, uh, first of all, I'm going to tell you right now, what you've got there is worth more than anything you own. All right? That's number one. <laughs> number two, take it down. This guy this guy literally was a, was a construction worker, and he was working for this guy tearing the house apart. Okay? I said, number one, take it off of eBay. Close the auction because you will have somebody – Try to call you or send you a message and convince you to take it off eBay and sell it to them for 50 bucks. I said the yeah. thing is literally worth tens of thousands of dollars, okay, worth more than anything you own, all right? <laughs> and I, I probably shouldn't have said that because for all I know, I could have owned a Lamborghini. But um, he sent me back a message, and he said, thank you very much. I appreciate your, your concern, but I'm going to leave it on here for a while. And I said, okay, and I sent him my email. All right, that was back before eBay got all pissy about sending emails back and forth in their messages. And mm-hmm. uh, I sent him my email and my phone number, and uh, I said, if you have any questions, give me a call. But I'm, I'm telling you, somebody else will try to steal that thing from you. And within an hour, I'm getting ready for work, and I'm, I'm getting ready to walk out the door. My cell phone rings, and it was him. He wanted to tell me what was going on. He said, I just had a guy, and he rattled off the place it was at, someplace down in Florida. He said he called me and offered me $300 for that lure. Should I take it? I said, no, no, no. I'm being serious. That thing is worth tens of thousands of dollars. And by tens, I mean several tens of thousands of dollars. It's way out of my price range, but there's going to be somebody out there trying to scam me out of it. Anyway, long story short, about four months later, he sold it in an auction. Okay, It went to an auction. It had been verified that it was a real deal, and it ended up selling for 91000 and some change. Okay. Oh. Yeah, and then the bad thing came that the guy that he was working for, who he was working for at the time, uh, decided he wanted some of that action because the guy was working for him. And legally, since they were demolishing the house and it was his bid on the house and this guy was his employee, anything the guy did was his responsibility and the thing the guy found was his. That ended up going into legal fight, and uh, hmm. I never did find out what happened, but... Yeah, I remember that deal about those decoys. Matter of fact, I had one of the guys that um, does that decoy magazine that, that they talk about all the auctions and stuff. And uh, he was on, and we were talking about that very thing where those people found those three decoys at a garage sale sitting out in yeah. the front yard, you know. And, uh, yep, I used to work with them. Oh, man, that was absolutely insane. Insane. Yeah, they, they made enough money off of those three decoys that, you know, they had, uh, I don't know how many kids it was. But the the mom and dad and all the kids got brand new cars out of it. Wow, that's crazy! Absolutely crazy. 
I'm the guy that, that finds those things in my garage and sells them to somebody for $35 and think I ripped you know, somebody's head off. And yeah. then, then I see them on TV a few weeks later. Look at us. We're the two millionaires of Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to France to buy us a villa on the Riviera or some crap. You know, so. Yeah, I tell you what, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. But anyway, you know, I was I was talking to some of my fellow call makers here a couple of weeks ago. We were just kind of kicking around the idea of putting together some sort of a goofy ass show like you know Duck Dynasty. We're going to call it Call Wars, you know. And uh, there you go. Yeah, I thought, man, who could, who could we get to be the bad guy? Because <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you always got to have one of them. And, uh, no comment. <laughs> I was going to ask you for your input if there would be somebody out there we could use you know, <laughs> to be the bad guy. <laughs> uh, there's a few to come I'm pretty sure you know who you can pick. Oh, I got his name written down over here two or three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. But, no, seriously, Wade, I'm I'm being dead serious about you doing a DVD. I mean, it can't cost that much to do. You know? No, it really doesn't. You know, I got a, I got a good friend that lives 20 minutes from me. He filmed a... Uh, uh, some of the TV shows that I've done, uh, he's filmed those, um, and, and and I could work with him. But uh, again, you know, I work six days a week, and between his schedule, and my schedule, and uh, just kind of getting everything lined up, it's just been, I guess, I guess it's a bunch of excuses, really. But uh, I just, I just haven't done it yet. But it, it's, it's a work in progress. It's in the plans. I can't guarantee anything, but it's something that I really want to do that I don't know don't know when it's going to happen, but it'll happen sometime. Well, you know, I'm just going to just tell you, you know, you, there's never going to be a better time than right now because you only have so many so many minutes in this life to live, okay? Yeah. And I'm an old geezer compared to you, but trust me when I tell you, the longer you put stuff off, the longer you'll keep putting stuff off. Oh, you know? I know. And... uh one day you'll look back and you'll say, man, I should have strike while the iron's hot. There's a reason old people say all these nifty little sounds, sayings, because somebody told them that, you know, um, like like make hay while the sun shines. Well, there's a reason for that. You put it off, you got you know, a nice day to get that stuff done, and I'll do it tomorrow. I don't feel like doing it today. Tomorrow, you got freaking thunderstorms, your armpit deep in water, and you can't get out and do the stuff outside you want to do. You should have done it the day before. I mean, yeah. I, that's, there's a reason. You know, strike while the iron's hot. Well, there's a reason for that too. I mean, you got you got all these championships behind you. I mean, it's not like ancient history, okay? Um, and it won't take. I guarantee you could you could turn this sucker out in a weekend, and you'll be kicking your own ass for putting it off as long as you did. I guarantee <laughs> you. You know, and that's yeah. not easy to do. I mean, I've tried kicking my own ass, and I I can't do it. I, I tried the Jim Carrey thing, like uh, liar liar. You know, right? <laughs> it went it went bad. Anyway. I you know I I guarantee you, if you, if you got them made we we could I I know we could sell lots of them you know through the company and our, our shows and I get anybody else that came across them would too I mean Scott sells a lot of DVDs you yeah. got to know that right oh yeah yeah and Kent you know he's like on his fourth pressing you know those of those freaking duck dictionaries you know so and, and the thing with Kent you can't understand a half about what he's saying. So they're probably wearing a lot of those out, playing them over and over and over because they're trying to listen to what he's saying, and it's not English, you know, it's that Cajun stuff. Or <laughs> but anyway, I mean, you got good English skills, you know. They can't take that away from you, man. So anyway, I appreciate well, that. 
Well, is there is there anything else you'd like to say about stuff that's going on or stuff you want to go on or? Um, not really. I guess uh, let's just hope that uh, things start going a little better for this world now. Well, let's hope so. I know you're from the state of Illinois, which makes it kind of hard for me to bring this guy's name up. <coughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, is that are you, you know? It's, it, it, I, I'm I'm up here in Chicago this week for for some work stuff. I've been up here all week, but man, you sit down and watch the news here, and it's it's um it's it's mind blowing. It's pretty sobering. You know, you got you got a, a guy that's running around up there as the mayor that um and and the president. They're both from there, you know. And they can't take care of what's in their own backyard, but they want to tell everybody else how to deal with stuff, you know. And it's crazy, you know. That Chicago, you know, it's it, it's got more crime now than when it was back when Al Capone was there, you know. Yeah. And at least the thing with Al Capone was they were killing gangsters, were killing each other, you know. That's not the way it is now. They, those punks out there on the street with those guns are just shooting like you know, it's, it's insane. It's yeah. Like how many how many murders are there a day? It, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I couldn't even tell you, but it, it should it should be kind of an eye opener though to these guys that say that we need gun control. Look at the city of Chicago, yeah. that you know they got the one of the hottest or one of the hardest uh, harshest gun laws um, for the city in in the, in the country, and it doesn't matter. No, but no, and then they say, and you know as well as I do, that, that this crap they're telling everybody will these these uh, gun show loopholes. There's no loophole at a damn gun show. If you go to a gun right. show and you buy a gun from a dealer, you have to get a background check. We, right. They can buy it from individuals. I said, they, they, yeah, you're right, they can. They can buy from an individual on the street corner, too. You know? Yeah. I mean, you talk about stupid Chicago. You're right. It's got one of the most restrictive gun laws on the planet. You know, if, if you're a law-abiding citizen and you own a gun, they can literally decide that you don't need any more. Come into your house and take your gun because you registered that gun. Okay. Yeah. Same thing in Washington D.C. You don't hear about the crime rate in Washington D.C., but it, Chicago and Washington D.C. not a whole lot of difference. You know, it has some of the strictest gun laws on the planet. You know, but the bad guys have guns. You know, and I and I just it it just numbs my mind that these people want to pass these lame laws that won't do any good. I mean, they want to pass a law. Okay. Here, here's a good one. All right. For every gang member you shoot and kill and take a criminal off the street, we're going to give you five hundred dollars in tax credits. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I don't—I really don't get worked up about too much. You know, I'm pretty laid back, but my God, man, if I start getting into into this gun law deal with someone who only has half a brain and agrees with it, uh-huh. I pretty much just lose it. Oh, I know. You can't talk to those people. You, you can't talk to them. You know, Ted Nugent said this. Um, he's like, you know, people are freaked out about guns. They're scared of guns. He goes, I have got a gun in my house that has been sitting there loaded for 23 years and has never gone off and killed a single person. Yeah. It's just a piece of equipment, okay? Have you ever talked to Ted Nugent? I have never talked to him face-to-face, no. You know, you see a lot of people on TV or, or whatnot on the radio who, when they talk, you know, you can you can just tell that they're fake, 
but you can watch stuff that Ted does, and you can absolutely feel and absolutely know 100% that this guy believes in this kind of stuff more than than anybody. I mean, anytime did you watch the interview with uh, who's that? Who's that num nuts? Um, Pierce, Pierce, Pierce oh, my God, yes. I saw about four and a half minutes of that. I, first of all, I, I want to say I was very proud of Ted for not standing up, stepping over there, and knocking the dog snot out of that guy. <laughs> he should have. Yes. But, you know, you, you watch uh, Ted's demeanor and the way he talks and how he answers, and the guy knows what he's talking about. He, he's done his homework, and oh, he yeah. absolutely believes in the stuff. And, and I think that's uh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, he's one of the guys I definitely want to get on the show, but unfortunately, um, you know, uh, my audience is not huge enough to where it demands his respect and his response. And once again, i got to go through like 400 people to get to him, you know. But I know a guy that knows him very well, fairly well. I might be able to hook you up. You know what, Wade? If you could do that, I would love it because I tell you what, I would, I would love to have him come on here and I'd just turn my microphone off and say, talk to me. Tell people what yeah. they need to know. Because there's so much, so much misinformation about what's going on out there. And it's it's like our little president last night. I mean, pulling up the heartstrings of people, they deserve a vote. They deserve a vote. They deserve, yeah. you know, and you know what? It's, I, I, I feel bad for those people. I was, I was at a salvage, uh, auto salvage place tonight trying to find a, a drive shaft for an S10 Blazer. And um, there was a guy that was standing with a, with a title in his hand. He was selling uh, a car, a wrecked car to this salvage company, and um, he was talking about this intersection where this accident happened that resulted in this car being wrecked. And he was very upset because he said, you know, he goes, I I did my research on this intersection, and he goes, there have been seven major accidents at that intersection in the last two years, and there's been uh, at least one other fatality, you know, there. And I didn't hear that other fatality part. And the owner of the salvage yard is is a friend of mine, and we were standing there, and I said, and and his the guy that owns the salvage yard said something about, well, you know, um, your daughter's car is all the way back to the back and to the left uh, on that last row if you want to go out there, if there's anything else you need out of there. And uh, he said, okay, I just I just want to go out and see the car. And I said, was your daughter injured in the accident? Is she all right? And he just kind of looked at me and he said, no, she was killed. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And the thing about it is his daughter, up until just a few days ago, was a living, breathing human being. And this accident occurred at an intersection which has a history of having bad collisions because of the blind area that it's in. And his daughter died in a car accident. Yeah. Okay. And I felt bad for him, but, you know, my immediate reaction was, my heart goes out to you, or I'm sorry, it wasn't, oh, we should ban cars or ban driving or tear the yeah. roads up, you know, which is where a lot of people in this gun issue, that's where they come down. You know, it's like blame the gun, you know. And uh, I don't know if you've been to very many of these gun shows lately, but try going to a gun show and finding ammunition. They're not going to outlaw the guns. They're just going to make it almost impossible to get the ammunition. And it's a supply and demand thing right now. But once some idiot in the administration figures out, hey, we just cut off the supply of ammunition, make it so cost prohibitive for the manufacturers to to sell the stuff, we'll take care of it. You know, you you kill the the problem with, with lack of ammunition. And uh, that's where they're headed. You know, it sucks to say it, but that's where they're headed. So, yeah, I'll tell you what. If you if your friend could could do that, I would I'd be tickled to death to set him up to come on here and talk anytime he wants for as long as he wants. 
Yeah, I'll see what I can do for you. So, anyway, brother, I know you got to work tomorrow. You know, earn the big money, huge dollars. So, yeah, I appreciate you coming on tonight, man. I really do. Absolutely, man. You know, anytime, uh, anytime you, you're scrambling to find someone, you can always give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I didn't. I wasn't scrambling tonight. I wanted you to come on, and I know we talked about it before. And I thought, well, you're on there. You're talking about your new guts. I figured I'd kind of appeal to your ego. <clears throat> your new guts and say, yeah, come on. Up. Now I'm being serious. Though. You need to get you need to get off off the butt and get in front of the camera and get that damn DVD made. All right, I'm serious. You, you need to get be, out of the boat. I need to get out of the boat. Is what I need to do. If you just took need, a weekend need, and you and your buddy sat your asses down and did it, you'd be. I guarantee you, you'd, you'd kick your own ass for not getting it done two years ago. I know. All right. And before some little peckerhead comes along and makes one, you know, I don't even want to go there. Anyway. All right, man. I appreciate you coming on. You be good, and we'll talk to you again soon, all right? All right, Kelly. Have a good night, bud. All right, brother. Be good. Good night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Wade Walling, world champion goose caller. I don't know how many times he's won that flipping title. Um, but I'm serious. <laughs> I know I was bagging on him a little bit. Um, but the guy, he's unbelievably talented. And uh, he needs to come on here and, uh, you know, tell people how to how to blow a freaking goose call. Um, like I said, he's immensely talented, and he needs to get that DVD done because we could sell hundreds of them at freaking shows that we're at. So, anyway, um, next week I'm not sure who the guest is going to be, but it's going to be another exciting personality in the wonderful world of outdoor sports. Um, and we'll see what happens. All right. Anyway, guys, I got a long day tomorrow. Hunter's having surgery, um, so it's nothing, nothing major, but it's good enough for me to take a day off. Um, cool thing is the the caller supply website is up and running it's all brand new go check it out at callersupply.com um check it out we got we got some new stuff on there we got some new gear coming on with uh, uh muddy waters uh it's a new camo line we're gonna be carrying um our new call line is gonna be coming out i'm we're looking at june all right before those come out and i am really excited about those it's it's gonna be a great a great bunch of calls you're gonna love them um you're gonna buy. You're gonna to want to buy one for everybody. You know, I promise you, they're gonna be that cool. I mean, they're gonna be the kind of calls that people look at and say, "Man, that was one of the coolest days of my life." Is when I got that call. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Anyway, um, I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, hey, the guys over there in Afghanistan, Firebase. I'm gonna use the word Mark, but it rhymes with Mark. Um, your stuff is on its way, boxed up. It's ready to roll in the mail to you. Okay. I uh, hope you guys get them and enjoy it and uh, have fun with those. All right. Um, some of those little goons up there know all about those things from Tora Bora. Uh, we use those with a lot of uh, interesting results, let's say, years ago. So anyway, you guys have a great evening, and we will talk to you again next week. Good night and God bless. <laughs>